Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Always Arsenal show, my very first summer season show and what a guest we have tonight. The lovely, I don't know what to call you ever, Andrew Arsblog, it feels weird calling you Arsblog so I'm going with Andrew, welcome, that is your name, welcome to the Always (laughs) Arsenal summer season show number one. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be guest number one, a position of real privilege, sort of like Aaron <laughs> Ramsdale of the Always Arsenal show. Right? I love that. I love that, Andrew. That's great. Yeah. Um, for anyone, and I doubt there is anybody that doesn't know who you are in the Guna Twitter universe or any universe that's involving Gunas, you are a writer, a podcaster, a voiceover and a lover of the Arsenal, aren't you? Yes, that's that's some of the many things that I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've been doing Arsenal for about, well, for over 20 years now. Um, so it is a, a huge part of, of my life, um, sort of unexpected part of my life, because when I started, I never thought I'd be doing it 20 years later. That would have been ridiculous. But here we are, and, uh, you know, we have a, we have a, a global club now I think you know there's fans all over the world and uh, I think the one thing the internet has done is is bring people together and closer as Arsenal fans maybe not always closer maybe there's some argy-bargy along the way but I guess you can choose what you want to engage with and all that kind of stuff but you know it's great there is a big huge uh, Arsenal community out there and uh, you're part of it there's lots of podcasts lots of blogs and uh, you know I'm glad to be glad to be in there. Well, it's interesting because I want to go back to the beginning. But first of all, welcome everyone to the show. Thank you for joining. I know it's a hot night. I know I'm not really into football. I've not watched one international game. I've switched off. Um, And you know I don't like talking about transfers, but we will. We will tonight. We're going to discuss them with Andrew. Um, I'm going against everything I believe in, but I don't. (laughs) Thing is, Andrew, I don't talk about transfers until they're done. I don't deal with speculation. I'm bored with it. When they're signed, I'll have a whole long chat. But I think sure. it's a lot of the chat room want that. Also, um, we're going to be asking you some questions. So okay. um, people in the chat room, not yet. Don't don't throw your questions yet. I'll let you know when because um, we've got to go through a few things with Andrew first. that I want to know, actually, because I don't know. So I'll just, just put this into perspective, Andrew, yeah? Mm. Um, my cousin is a few years older than us, has been going to Arsenal few years more than me my dad took him um and that he's the guy I still go to football with and he's not on social media he doesn't have Twitter Facebook nothing he's not interested the only thing he ever reads is ask blog oh cool no word of a lie I know him through you I know you through him years and years and years ago before social media 
I said to him, I said, what's that? And he said, oh, it's a blog by Arse Blog. I said, who's Arse Blog? Mm-hmm. And he said, um, well, it's this, it's this Arsenal-like, you know, sort of report and you read it every day. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. There was nothing else, Andrew, was there? There was nothing, not on not online that I would have ever known. But I used to read the Guna and I used mm. to read two two one up. I can't I'm, one nil down, two one up. Yeah, yeah. They used to sell it outside Highbury, and it was very funny and stuff like that. Um, to this day, he still hasn't got social media. He's not interested in any of it, and he still reads. Still reads your blog. That so, is great. I mean, I think it was. I think it was maybe the the first blog, but there were definitely. You know, Arsenal websites out there um, when I was uh, setting it up because there was uh, Arseweb, um, there was one called Arsenal World, there was a, a site called Boring Boring Arsenal, oh, and there was a great site by a guy called, um, he called himself Red Geezer, I think, and he used to do these really, really funny match reports, which were which are hilarious. Um, so there was there was a bit of stuff going on online for sure, um, but nothing regular. Like nobody was doing something every single day in the style of, of a blog because back then blogs themselves were were kind of new. They were just emerging. So uh, yeah, I mean it was it's it's something people say is like the first thing I do every morning is you know I'll read Ars blog on the toilet and it's like it is a compliment it's a little too much information but it's definitely a compliment so take us back to the beginning as we discussed we're both in our 50s I'm 53 next month I don't Mm. even feel 23 it's bizarre but anyway um take us back to why okay take us back to how you support Arsenal what's the reason because obviously you're over in Ireland aren't you um and then how this started well I was born in England, so I grew up in England um, for the first 10 years of my life. So I grew up, I was born in Croydon, and uh, my dad was in the hotel, the bar hotel trade. So he worked around London, and we moved from London to um, York, and then to uh, a place a little while outside of Hull. He was a manager of a a hotel there, and... uh, I was just football mad, absolutely loved football, loved playing football, you know, Roy of the Rover, Shoot Magazine, everything I could get my hands on. And I don't ever remember making a conscious decision to support Arsenal. But at that time in the 1970s, as I'm sure you remember, um, Arsenal had a lot of Irish players. and, And we were, like my folks were both Irish. And they came to England as as many people did back in the um, in the fifties and sixties for work. And me and my brother were born over there. But we were we were Irish, you know. We were brought up. You are Irish, even even though you were born here and you're living here. You're Irish. Um, and th- at that time, Arsenal had Liam Brady, they had Frank Stapleton, they had David O'Leary, they had John Devine. They also had Pat Jennings, yeah, uh, Pat Rice. Sammy Nelson from Northern Ireland. And I was too young really to understand what the difference was between the Republic of Ireland and the uh, and Northern Ireland. It was just green. They were Ireland as far as I was concerned. And maybe that's a contentious thing to say as you get a bit older and you become aware of the political situation. But I'm absolutely convinced that, that that's what it was. It was that connection to, to Ireland plus football equals... Arsenal. I don't really yeah. know how to describe it. I think I think that's what it was. Like I don't remember exactly why, but that that is that's my guess as to why that happened. Just a football mad kid, and and I saw all these Irish players, uh, and identified pretty strongly with them. Yeah, definitely Irish in the seventies. Definitely because that's when I started. Um, my dad's favorite player was Chippy Brady, so yeah. I was brought up on on that. There was a massive Irish contingency John Devine honestly gave me give me nightmares when you said his name and um David O'Leary and of course all that okay so you're growing up you're an Arsenal fan you're living in Ireland um teenage years weren't easy were they sporting Arsenal um we were absolutely terrible up to 1986 I was at school between 1980 and 85 with all Spurs fans so I didn't get a chance to get my own back at any point (laughs) because <laughs> I'd left school. Um, growing up, I was in an area of um, Tottenham, West Ham, 
no one else really Arsenal so mm. there was us but but obviously that wasn't the case for you was it no I mean every pretty much everybody in Ireland has follows an English football team um well not everybody but I mean it, it's it's very common for every football fan you meet here to follow an English team of some description um obviously mm. Celtic is a very big team here as well um People support their local teams, but the League of Ireland is not necessarily the, the greatest league. So everybody uh, has an interest in English football. And traditionally, the two big clubs uh, here are Liverpool and Manchester United. Um, Liverpool, obviously, because of how close it is and how many Irish people um, went to Liverpool and ended up in Liverpool and you have the Irish families all over. And, and similarly, Manchester. But I think as well, there were some Irish players at Manchester United. Um, John Giles, who's a very famous Irish player, and people connected, I think, in 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 that way with with Man United. They were a very successful club as well. Um, you know, when you think they won the European Cup back in the sixties and and everything else. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was. It, it's different, you know. That's that 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 um, that local thing. Obviously, is missing from from my fan experience that that you guys have when you're over there and you can you can go to games and it doesn't involve, you know, booking flights and staying in hotels and all those kinds of things. Um, but, you know, I think that's, what's been really interesting about our blog over the years is that people's experience, um, you know, nobody is saying, uh, or certainly I've never said like, you know, that my experience is going to be the same as somebody who lives on the Holloway road. You know, it's just not, that's not how it works and never would be how it works. So you can't set yourself up to say, I'm the same as you. It doesn't mean it's different or better or whatever, but it's different. And I think one of the great things about having this global fan base now is people are are embracing the fact that fans have different experiences and and experience the club and and go through all the emotions in a different way. You know, you could have guys who've you know watched us win the FA Cup recently, but are basically sitting somewhere on their own because they don't have any Arsenal friends around them. Um, that's a different experience from, let's say, being in the stadium or or being able to celebrate with friends or all the thousands of people that end up back in North London on a night when we win the FA Cup, and it's amazing, you know. Um, so that experience of it was was certainly different, um, and you know, I don't know that the bragging rights are are quite the same, you know. Um, I've never really, I've never, sorry, Andrew, I've never really understood that because. I don't live on the Holloway Road, so my experience would be different. I live yeah. 40 minutes from Arsenal. Yeah. But the guy I was telling you about, my cousin, my other cousin, his brother, who was with us at Anfield 89 and the Cup Finals, emigrated to Perth in Australia. Mm. And he gets up at 3, 4, 5 in the morning to watch Arsenal. So who's who says who's, you know, this super fan, better fan? I, I don't mm. go all the away games. I've got a season ticket at home. But... I've never understood this. And honestly, Andrew, my dad, to me, is the biggest gooner on the planet. Yet he stopped going five years ago. He had a season ticket since the 60s. Mm. Too old, too much money. The club didn't look after him. And he thought, you know what? I just, it's too much. He's in his 70s, yeah? Yeah. No one would ever beat him in my eyes. There's so many stories about him, Andrew. And, you know, Mm. so just because you're in Ireland or someone's in Australia or someone's in Africa or America... Yeah, I've yeah. never understood people that go, oh, they don't, have, they don't have a right to have an opinion. No, I, I completely with you. I mean, look, I'm an Irish guy who set up a blog about Arsenal while I was living in Spain and then came back to Ireland, you know, so I'm in no position to tell anybody anything. And, and I think the inclusivity is really important, you know, being inclusive to fans, wherever they're from, um, is just a really important part of of being like one of the great things about football um, and we all are invested in the matches and we all um you know want Arsenal to win and want Arsenal to do well but but you know the the community aspect of it like if you win a game it's great you go have a couple of pints with your mates afterwards and and whatever if you lose you still go and have a couple of pints with your mates yeah. and you're a bit downhearted but you know you talk it out and it's good and I think that that aspect of things is is really one of the best things about 
Arsenal and one of the best things about football. And and for some people who are lucky enough to be able to come to games, they experience it and they, you know, to a man and woman, they absolutely love it when I meet people over at games and you meet people going, we're from the States. This is our first time ever coming. And they're just sort of looking around at what's going on, like a packed pub and everyone's singing. And it's just an experience, you know? So I think however people can connect with that is is really important, in my opinion. And, and for a lot of people, it's just always going to be distant. It's always going to be online, but they can still be part of it. Oh, absolutely. So when I went to New York about five years ago, it was the Crystal Palace away game where Bellerin went to the Arsenal fans and they all started rowing. Do you remember we were oh, yeah, awful? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was in a pub again. It was a, a Monday night, but it was a Monday afternoon for Americans. And I watched it with some Americans. This pub in New York is dressed in Arsenal stuff, tops of Thierry Henry, everything. I walked in and I felt... I felt weird. I felt like, like I, like I don't deserve to be in here. I know it sounds a weird thing. I just felt, and it was lovely. Lots of people from Twitter came to say hello and watched the game, and it was the most awful game, obviously we experienced. Yeah. But, but, but they're obsessed. The Americans, the Africans, the Australians, and I absolutely love it. I'm sorry, I'm not missing out any countries on purpose, but. And Andrew, it only dawned on me about 10, 12 years ago when I joined Twitter. I didn't really understand Twitter. One of my friends said, join Twitter, you'll love the banter. I went, I thought it was full of famous people. And I, <laughs> and, I, and I had a few hundred followers and it was, oh, it was brilliant. You know, people that you could banter with and, you know, moan about stuff and stuff like that. And I only realised when people used to say to me, and obviously I started going on podcasts only about a year later, you're so lucky, Amanda. I've never seen an Arsenal match live. I've seen thousands and thousands. I've been going since the 70s. And sometimes I'd moan, Andrew, if I've got work and I'm going to be late or, oh, I can't be bothered to go tonight. I, I never missed a match for that reason. But sometimes, oh, Saturday and then we've got Wednesday and Saturday, oh, it's too much. I've got a life, you know. I stopped all that. The minute I realised how lucky I am, not only to have a seat, a season ticket, move from Highbury and still be in the East End. Mm. It, and I don't take it for granted anymore. A boring match. I remember the Burnley match last year, nil-nil. It was terrible, absolutely terrible. But I walked out there and thought there would be people desperate to watch a live match, a terrible live match from mm. the midst of New Zealand or wherever, Russia, wherever they are, and never will. They probably never will get to the Emirates. So when, so when people do come from abroad and tell me coming from abroad, wherever, I always make a conscious effort to meet them outside. And I want them to experience, you know, the armory and the pubs and meet with people because I took it all for granted. I, I don't do that anymore. Yeah, I mean, that's that's nice. But I mean, it is, you know, this is what I'm talking about. Your, your experience is different. Yeah. Um, you know, it's all relative, isn't it? You know, yeah. it is all relative. And, you know, I'm sure you've got every right sometimes, you know, if a game has been terrible, if life is difficult, if work is a pain in the backside, whatever it is, you know, we all have our days where you don't feel like doing things or, or whatever, but that's what it is. Nice to have that realization. And, and like, um, yeah, it is, it is a fortunate thing, you know, to be able to go every week and experience, the ups and downs of it and and see it in a different way and that's the thing about uh, live games is that you you see football in a in a different way than when you watch it online and when your experience of the game is being influenced by the commentators by what people are saying on twitter all that kind of stuff you know there are times you can come out of a game um and have a completely different view on something yeah. than somebody who's watching on TV. Um, <laughs> I was going to say that, actually. That's happened so many times where I think other people are watching a different game. Yeah. Uh, but again, it's it, part of that is because they're not, I'm not saying they're being told what to think or that they're not capable of thinking for themselves, but you can hear it sometimes in a game. I'm not just talking about Arsenal here. You can hear it straight away, let's say, where the commentator or the co-commentator, they've got a little agenda. They've got something that they want to, you know, get across, whether it's how good the home fans are, how bad the home fans are, how how weak 
the opposition defenses, you know, something like that. And they sort of hammer this home. And then that colors your perception of what it is you're seeing because they're talking about it all the time, whether or not it's actually 100% accurate. So, no, I totally agree. So, I've got quite a few questions coming up. I will ask you, but I want to know okay, so. What made you start Ask Blog? And what a brilliant name, I have to say. <laughs> what made me start it was I was trying to learn how to do web design because I was trying to, I'd moved to Spain and I, I got a little web design company, web hosting company, and I was trying to teach myself how to design websites. And um, I, I figured if I had a website of my own that I could practice on and do things and update regularly, I would learn pretty quickly. That's the best way to learn anything, isn't it, is to do it. Yeah. Um, so I'd been reading some blogs about just various things. It was just starting to bubble into the, the consciousness of the internet. And I thought, well, you know what, maybe I could do a blog about football and Actually, I could do a blog about Arsenal because, well, you know, there's always something going on, isn't there? There's a match or there's a transfer or there's an injury or there's whatever it is. There's, you know what football clubs are like and football is like. There's all pretty much always a story. So I said, I'll start a blog about Arsenal. And then I was thinking, well, what the hell will I call a blog about Arsenal? Arse blog. Um, and that was it. I just bought the domain name, started writing, and um, I've written something pretty much every day for 20 years um every day uh, there's a there was you know one or two very slight um uh, hiatus moments and occasionally i will take uh, a holiday but the site keeps going i've got you know guys like andrew allen and tom uh, who will fill in for me so the, the the blog keeps going so it's been going every day for 20 years uh, rain or shine hangover or not hangover whatever it is i get up and make coffee and i i write something every day that's incredible. 20 years nearly every day. Mm. So what do you find to write about from when the season ends? All right, maybe a couple of weeks before the season starts, but is it just transfer speculation or are you looking at um, different factors at Arsenal? I, look, I'll, I'll get up in the morning and I'll, I'll look around and see what news there is and see what's happening. And if there's something happening, then obviously, you know, if there's a big story, that's what you write about that day. Like the day after a match, you write about the match. Um, if there's a big scandal, then you write about the big scandal, whatever it is. Um, but some mornings there aren't really. Um, some mornings there aren't really big stories. So you have to get a little bit creative. You have to think about things. You have to think about maybe uh, things from a broader perspective and um, try and try and analyze a situation at the club or whatever it might be. And then there's other days where there's just literally nothing happening in Arsenal, in football. <laughs> so I will, I'll, I'll find my way around that and write something else. And, you know, I do write about things that aren't um, just Arsenal. There are days obviously when there is nothing happening. So I'll write about something else. Um, you know, that we had a, a whole lockdown a couple of years ago, if you remember where there was no anything, there was nothing, no football, wow, or, yeah. or no anything. But, you know, I kept going and kept writing about whatever. Um, so it can be a little bit challenging, but it's also quite fulfilling as well. If you sit down in the morning and you're looking at your keyboard and you know you've got to write a thousand words and there's nothing to write about, when you get to that point where you've finished the blog post, it's very, it's quite fulfilling, you know? So I, I just let my mind wander and see where it goes. And at this point, it's, it's, um, it's just so ingrained in my morning routine that it would feel weird not to do it, you know? So I'm just going to bring a couple of questions in, then I want to go back to your podcasting with James and stuff. Right. Robert Stevens. Hi, Rob. Hello, Andrew. Do you have any conversations with the club about your blogs? No, not really. Um, I mean, I know that they know it, and obviously I've got to know some people in the club over the years. Um, they're aware of you know, what we do on the website, what we do on the podcast and everything else. Um, you know, I've, yeah, I mean, sometimes there is a little bit of communication, but it's not a case of like, um, don't write this or we didn't like that or why don't you write this? You know, that it's not that kind of thing at all. Um, 
just when you're doing something for 20 years about one specific football club, um, you, you get to know some people in there and, you know, it's, it's, um, it's editorially independent. I think that's always been really important to me that there is editorial independence. So I'm happy to talk to anyone. I'll listen and happy. I'll hear whatever, but, but what I write and what I do on the website is always, is always my own. It's really interesting because um, I've been on pods for years and we'll talk about your pod in a second. But um, since starting my own pod on the same old Arsenal channel here with Craig, um, since January, it's my show, Andrew. I can yeah. do what I want. It's so bizarre. I've always been part of a team or a guest, so I haven't been able to do that. And I remember having Alan Smith on. Um, I've had quite yeah. some amazing guests the last few months. And just going back to the commentating, I sat there and said, come on, Al. There are times when even I listen to you and I can hear a slight bias against us. And he said, and it's true. He said, I can't win. If I praise Arsenal, I get accused of mm. complete biasness. If I go against it, I'm the worst Arsenal player ever. He said, I honestly tell you, I say it as I see it. And I sat there and I thought, do you know what? I think he does. I've known Alan quite a while and he, he's so genuine. But the, the amount of comments that were coming in lambasting him, you know, and, yeah. and, and, and I don't think they can win. And, and you're right when you're talking about commentators with their agendas. Honestly, Andrew, I'm not one of these people that ever follows the crowd. So if everyone said Alan Smith had an agenda, I'd only believe it if I thought it. So mm. I'm not one of these people that has to have, you know, the 400 retweets or something. Sure. But the last few months... I am so angry with Gary Neville. I can't <laughs> begin to tell you. Now, it I don't know if he's angry because we finished above United. But the way he's gone for Arteta, it is bizarre in my head. Now, I wasn't going to bring this up, but it's interesting what you said about commentators. Mm. I've never thought anyone's got an agenda against us. Look, Jermaine Genus, none of us are going to like. He's ex-Tottenham. He's not really a great commentator and puns it in mm. my eyes. I actually loved... Phil, um, sorry, Jamie Carragher and Gary Neville, Monday Night Football. Mm. I don't have a problem with Liverpool at all. I've got a lot of Scouse mates, and I think they're a wonderful, wonderful club. I do. We're playing the most beautiful football. But it got too much in the end, and I started tweeting Gary Neville, saying, you need to back, you need to pipe down a little bit. I, I honestly was so angry. So, Agendi, I think he did, if I'm honest, do you want you laughed as I said it? Is it a common thing that people are thinking lately, or do you think it as well? I think so. But I, he's always been really annoying. Let's face it. Like when he was a player, he as was a player, really, yes. Oh, right, he was really <laughs> annoying. And I think what maybe surprised people over the last couple of years was that he seemed to have a sort of common sense approach to punditry. And like, yeah. uh, I, 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 I quite liked. Uh, listening to him you know but I agree with you that this season something clicked in there I don't know what happened with his brain but something went a bit skew ways you know I remember when he was talking about our transfers last summer and he said I can't really see what Arsenal are trying to do and it was like well they're buying players who are 21 22 or 23 it's pretty <laughs> obvious what that yeah, is yeah. so yeah look he he has taken an annoying twist but maybe maybe we should you know just leave him in the background. Um, it, it, it is bizarre. I don't, I don't normally go down this road. I've mm. seen a lot of people say I've always liked him. I hated him as a player and I loved him as a pundit. I thought he was really fair. Um, mm. Carragher does does quite respect Arsenal and that's fine. And I don't mind him slagging us off when we deserve it. I don't mind anyone doing that. I just felt it went a bit too far with him. But yeah. I'm getting a lot of people saying, and I don't know what they're talking about, something about Phil Collins. Is there something on your, your <laughs> podcast? Everyone's saying about just tune in. And I thought Andrew was talking about Phil Collins again. Ha ha, right. Phil Collins couldn't agree more with Andrew. Go on. Uh, no, it's just sort of a running gag on the on the blog for the 20 years as to how much I dislike Phil Collins and in particular that song in the air tonight. So every time Phil Collins does anything, I get like a lot of people tweeting at me going, oh. Uh, so it's just really a, it is just a running gag but I absolutely hate that song with all my life oh okay so, I get that right so I'm going to do a few more questions in a moment um mm. 
podcasting. So obviously it was the yeah. natural progression, wasn't it, to go into podcasting. D did you start alone? Yeah, yeah. It started in 2006. Um, oh, wow. So it's, it's been going a long time, this podcast. Um, so because I, I sort of a background in radio, I used to be a radio DJ um, when I was younger. And that was kind of what I wanted to do with my life for a while, but uh, it didn't happen in the end. Um, but when I discovered podcasting, I was like, this is amazing because it's basically your own radio show and nobody's telling you what you can say. Nobody's telling you to play Phil Collins at 10 minutes past the hour <laughs> and then play an ad break and then do the, you know, because radio, radio has become very formatted and all that kind of stuff. So I really just enjoyed um, talking to people about Arsenal. It was great. Um, so, yeah, that started, I think it was 2000 and I can't remember exactly when we started the Arscast Extra. Um, a few years later, anyway, maybe 2012 mm. um, with James. So, yeah, I mean, it's been going for, it'll be 16 years this year, the podcast. So Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess it's one of the longest uh, running podcasts out there. So, um, but again, it's great. You just get to talk about Arsenal into a microphone, and people like to listen, and that's amazing to me. You know, it's uh, I always feel really happy and privileged that people tune in and like to download and like to listen, and uh, you know, try and give them a, a good show every week. It's not always happy, but then. No. That part of it is out of my control. So, yeah, it's down to the team. That I, I hate doing yeah. post game shows when we've lost. I just can't. But I book them and I book people to come on, so I have to do it. When we've won, it's amazing and I love it. But I had James on the show a couple of months ago, and he was great. And, and with you two, I just see you as like Arsenal royalty. I love it. <laughs> you see, the thing is, I was talking to someone at work today about, uh, you know. Um, how it works in the Arsenal world and who's who and who people look up to and, you know, generally who I enjoy listening to and watching to. He's a Tottenham fan and he's got his lot as well. And I said, it's so yeah. interesting with football that, you know, absolutely you can disagree. I disagree with lots of people. I would never be abusive or anything like that. So have you come across that? Has Have you had abusive tweets over times or have sure. you had accusations that you're working for the club. I see that a lot with other people. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, you do get that kind of stuff. But, like, at the end of the day, it's it's just words on a screen, isn't it? You know, I, I don't really think there's any point in engaging with anybody who's uh, abusive uh, online. Um, I mean, they're not, they're not interested in a conversation, and they're not interested in your point of view or they're not interested in really anything you have to say if they're just being abusive, you know? So look, the, the great thing is about the internet and how big the Arsenal online mm, community presence. is, mm. is that there is something for everyone. There's something for everyone. If you don't like the Arsecast, there are lots of other podcasts out there. If you don't like, your show, there's lots of other, and why would they? Why wouldn't they? I mean, oh, they but, don't. You know, trust me, they're <laughs> But why? You know, you've got loads of other stuff that you can watch. There's loads of other people streaming and making videos. You know, you can just go out and pick and choose what it is you want to listen to, and nobody's forcing you to listen to anything else. Nobody says <laughs> you have to agree with them. Nobody says is going to make you sit down every week and make you listen to the Arscast if you don't want. To. Just don't do it. And then you get on with your life and have a nice time. And I'll get on with my life and have a nice time. And everyone's happy. And oh, I think I that's the way we have to, that's the way you have to deal with stuff. That's like that. far too sensible. You know that, don't you? It's like yeah. when people hate EastEnders, just don't watch BBC One at half past seven on a Monday yeah. night then. Why do you have to moan about it? It's so true. I'll never forget. I saw someone on Twitter say, oh, I'm looking forward to the show tonight, Amanda. And someone tweeted, I'd rather stick pins in my eyes. Well, I, the, the way I treat, yeah, the way I treat with people like that is complete humour and sarcasm. I never, ever erupt. And it just shows them up for the idiots <laughs> they are. Apparently, he'd never seen a show. He didn't, he's never watched me online. He just doesn't like my tweets. And that's fine. 
you don't have to. I don't care. I'm yeah. not there to tweet for anybody else but myself. But I mean, he okay. could also just not say that. You know what I mean? You could just not say that because what is the point of it? <laughs> What's the point of it? What does it's anyone sense. get out of that? You know, you know, my mum has a saying, there's now a stranger's folk and yeah. you can't please everybody all of the time, just some of the people, some of the time. And I am so thankful for the people that watch this show and the guests that I've had on. Well, you know, mm. I honestly ask so many different people to come on and they all say yes. And I think I've got such a little podcast. It's, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of people don't watch this show. But you're so right. Arsenal for everyone, wherever you want to watch, wherever you want to do. You don't need to go and comment and be toxic. So um, there was a question here. Hello, Bulgarian Guna. Thank you for joining us. So how do you deal with toxic fans on Twitter? You must get a few of them every time you tweet your opinion, which is why I said. So do you ignore... Do you joke back like I do? Very rarely. Yeah, Very rarely. I'm, for the most part, I would rather spend time um, talking to people who are interested in having a discussion. It doesn't mean you, you only want to uh, talk to people who agree with you or whatever it is, but because you can learn a lot from disagreements. You know, it's not to say that everything, uh, you, you, you all have to be singing from the same hymn sheet. But it's how you disagree and it's how you speak to someone and it's how you are willing to, like you can tell by the way that someone replies to a tweet if they're just being an, uh, an idiot, you know. Uh, I don't really have time or energy for that. Um, so I don't, I don't reply, I don't engage, I ignore them. And I will, because um, like, for example, after a match, if I tweet something there's like, hundreds of replies i can't go through every single one of them and i certainly aren't gonna i'm not gonna spend time on the one guy who's calling me <laughs> names or thinks that what i said is absolutely stupid or ludicrous or wrong or whatever it is whereas if somebody is uh talking to you in good faith um i think that's a much more productive way of of dealing with it so for the most part i i just ignore and you know what people children out there that is the most sensible thing to do. But there are just times where I have mm. to go back and be sarcastic, just occasionally, just to show them up um, if they've been really abusive. But no, generally, I've learned that silence is golden and don't give them the oxygen. I didn't yeah. learn that when I first went on Arsenal Fan TV about 10 years ago, whenever it was, and the abuse I got. I used to like just quickly respond to everyone. I remember Robbie saying to me, Amanda, ignore them. That's what they want. And I realised after a while, because I was all new to all this, <laughs> I was like, how dare they speak to me like that? I've not said <laughs> But now I do generally laugh. But most of generally the followers and stuff, you know, we all, we all get on great. Right, some more questions. I actually want to ask you something as well. Um, yes, you did a live pod, which I didn't even know about. And I'm so angry because I would have come to the chapel in Islington. With, yeah. You did it with the Arsenal Vision Boys, my Clive. Yeah. I love my Clive. So <laughs> how did that come about and how amazing was it? It was it was incredible, to be honest. Um, you know, myself and James have done some live shows before. Uh, we've done a couple in... Wow. Um, we did a couple in the garage. We did a couple actually upstairs in Union Chapel in the bar area. But I was talking to Elliot and we were thinking about doing something um, because we'd done the fundraiser in April um, for uh, the Arsenal Foundation. And we were just talking about doing a live event. And uh, a guy who helped us put on some of the other live shows, I said to him, look, I know this is really last minute. Um but we're looking for a venue the last Saturday, you know, before the final game of the season, we were hoping it would be a big party night, obviously, but unfortunately that wasn't to be. Um, but again, that was out of our hands. And he came back and said, yeah, union chapel. And I was thinking, Oh, the bar is a bit small. And he said, well, no, the, the whole thing. I was like, Oh my God, there's no way we're going to sell that many tickets, but we did. And it was just genuinely, a real thrill to to meet so many people who listen to both podcasts 
who wanted to come and and enjoy a night of sort of Arsenal chat and everything else. So it was amazing. They're walking out, and you have you you've been in there. I assume you've been in the. No, no, I saw it. Saw it advertised after with people in there, hundreds of people. It was completely packed out, wasn't it? Sold out. Yeah, I think there was over nine eight hundred and fifty people in there, which is just astonishing. And to walk out and just see all those people, it was like, oh my god, because you're just you're looking around and you're looking at the stalls and it, it, it was, it was something else. It's on, uh, people can watch it if they want. It's on the, um, the Ars blog YouTube channel. So we've got it up there. People can, can go and have a look at it. I mean, the, the football chat is kind of out of date because it was, it was, a uh, you know, three or four weeks ago at this point, but, uh, just to give you a flavor of what it was like, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was fantastic. And hopefully we can do some more of those in the, in, in the future and next season as well. Right. Well, I love my Clive. Clive and I have been friends quite well. We've done a few podcasts together. Mm. And um, I asked him to send me something for you. So let me find it. And uh, I'm going to play it. Hold on a second. Um, And I'm going to come to your questions in a moment. I've got so much to ask um, you, Andrew. But at the end of the day, I want to get the questions in. So let's watch this. Hey, mate. Hope you're well. This is Clive. And I have a question for you, Andrew. (laughs) Um, First one is, what do you think about the fact that Arsenal are looking at, potentially looking at, a false line forward when a couple of our competitors are looking at, or just bought, tall forwards? Do you think we're suddenly out of fashion? Or do you think this is the right direction to go? And as is my want, I've got another question in my mind. From a midfield perspective, do you think we need to add more technical ability or more physical ability? Just wonder what you're thinking. I hope you're well. Take care of the pair of you. Bye-bye. I love my Clive. The voice. You too should should do like uh, CDs or something. Your vocal <laughs> voices. I can't tell you which one's my favourite. I love them both. Thanks, Clive. So, Andrew, mm. you got to answer question one about the false nine forward and then the yeah. midfield. I mean, I have to say I would like somebody with a bit more physical presence in the squad up front. I think that would be, I think that would be useful for us. I mean, look, you don't just want to bring in a guy because he's tall or because he's big. He's got to be good as well. That's the reality. Um, and that might be the challenge, you know, is to find somebody who ticks the physical box, but also ticks the quality box as well. But I do think that if we had that other striker, a second striker who can give us something a little bit different from what we hope Gabriel Jesus will bring when, if, when he joins, and also Eddie Nketiah, who I think is going to be our number two striker next season, I would be quite interested in it and I I think you have to look at what the other teams are doing as well a little bit because City have brought brought in Haaland Um, Nunez has gone to Liverpool now he's not quite the same but he's still six foot one he's not a five foot nine five foot ten guy Tottenham have their big center forward who's a you know much as we don't like him he's a big guy um which makes it, you know, more painful for him. I think when he falls to the floor doing his his diving, but that's that's another thing. Um, Chelsea have got Lukaku, and they've got some presence up there as well. Um, and I do wonder if maybe it is something that we need to consider. Um, so I'm I'm quite curious. I'm not necessarily expecting it, but I would I would certainly be open to that if if the club could find the right player. Um, as for the second question about midfield, it was, do we need more technical ability or do we need more physicality? Physical. Yeah. I think we need more craft, more creativity. Um, I know Clive would really like a, a strong runner in the center of midfield. Um, but I, a nice Patrick Vieira, Andrew. Yeah, but look, wouldn't we all like a nice Patrick mm. Vieira? Get one. People have been trying to, um, people have been trying to find a new Patrick Vieira for a long time, and I don't think that they ever will. So um, that's a fool's errand, really. Um, 
I, I I do like the idea of of Tielemans coming in because I think he is a very clever player, very creative, and I think we're looking to change the attacking profile of the team this summer um, by bringing in a new striker, by bringing in a more creative midfielder to play. I assume where Granit Xhaka played, you know, last season in that sort of slightly advanced central midfield role. So if you can combine the physicality with um, the creativity, great. But I do think the creativity is a bit more important in my mind anyway than than the the physicality. So I hope that okay. answers questions. Yeah, bless him. Love my Clive. I keep asking him to come on, Andrew. Have a word. He says he does too many pods, and he he, he thinks people are fed up listening to him. I love listening he to him. Him, I'm sure he'll do it in the end. I know he will. I'll have another word with him. <laughs> okay, so I just want to do a quick, cute, you know, quick, quick answers. Um, best and worst moment as an Arsenal fan. Best and worst moment. Is that like one moment combined? <laughs> or yeah, could be. Separate ones. I mean, you could you could nearly combine a best worst moment in the Champions League final in two thousand and six because it was just such an amazing thing to get there. And, you know, even though we lost, I remember being in the stadium afterwards and, and that sea of yellow and the support that the team got, despite the fact we'd lost was kind of, uh, even now it's got the, the hairs on the back of my neck going up. Um, what's the best? Look, I, I, I wasn't at Anfield 89. I watched it on TV on a Friday night in Ireland. That was an incredible uh, achievement to win the title in in that way. And I think it's been so important for the football club in the subsequent years. You know, would, would we have gone on to do the things that we did afterwards if we hadn't been able to win the title that year, if we hadn't damaged Liverpool? So even though it wasn't one I experienced personally. And there were loads of things that, you know, obviously have happened since that, you know, the invincible season as well is another just incredible thing to consider. I do think Anfield 89 is, is sort of like, you know, when you go to the, you go to Blackpool and you get a stick of rock and there's a word all the way through the stick of rock. I think Anfield 89 for Arsenal fans of a certain vintage is the, you know that's the writing and the stick of rock that goes all the way through because it 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 meant so much and it it you know it was 18 years since Arsenal had won the league title and you know after that we won it in 91 we should have gone unbeaten in 91 with the European trophy in 94 the two cups in 93 Arsene Wenger then coming in and doing what he did and I think all of that was not just because of Anfield 89, but I'm not sure those things would have happened without it. Interesting. Look how old you're going to now feel. Look at this. Paul Neil. I wasn't alive in 89. I was behind <laughs> the goal in 89, Paul. I was, I, I, oh God, I always get this wrong. Nearly 19. You're making mm. us feel old. Um, okay, so a quick one as well. Um, you haven't told me your words. Oh, so sorry. The champions league final. Yeah. yeah. So Andrew, I've never been to a away, away game in Europe ever apart right. from the champions league final. Right. So it's the only one I've ever been to. There are many reasons of why I won't go financial. And then there was, I hear the stories about the police and I just couldn't handle it. So, but of course I had to go to that. I, I actually went to Anfield and believe no chance could we win. When I went there and Sol Campbell did what Sol Campbell did and we scored, mm. I was like, we could actually win this. More for me to even think that. But, um, yeah, it was the only game I'd ever been to. Right, so a quick one. Best manager, George Graham, Arsene Wenger for you. I mean, I think it has to be Arsene Wenger. I mean, I love George. Um you know, what he did in 89, 91. I think, you know, that team was underrated. I think he gets a, a bum rap sometimes, George, because of some of the football that we played later in his tenure, but we were really good in 91, um, played some incredible football, one game away from being unbeaten. But I think Arsene Wenger transformed the club in a way. 
that George didn't or couldn't. I'm not saying he couldn't have done it, but I just don't know that the circumstances were were there. You know, the Premier League was was still a new thing. And um, so I think, you know, Arson coming in, the two doubles, the invincible season, um, the training ground, the stadium, and some of the football that we played uh, under him was just incredible. I mean, he gave me certainly the best Arsenal team I've ever seen in my life. Um, and I'll always be grateful for that. But obviously, you know, what George Graham did was was incredible too, you know, to get that young team over the line at Anfield and to win it in 91, got us a European trophy as well. So it's a tough one. You know, people's my, mileage might vary on that, but but for me, I'll, I'll go for Arsene. Okay, I, I, I'm stuck, if I'm honest. You don't have to choose, though. You, I you know, know I can't. You don't have to choose. Because I think it, George Graham started yeah. it and Wenger, funny enough, finished it. But, right, so let, let's come to the questions. There's so many, right? Carl Stark wants to know, thank you, Carl, for your question. How many players does Andrew think we need to sign this window? I think we need to sign at least three, maybe four, possibly more, depending on on what might happen with some of the others. We've got a short squad, a small squad, and we need to boost that squad. It's got to be good enough and deep enough to um, be able to cope with the Premier League, to be able to cope with Europe, to be able to cope with the Cups, and hopefully we can go further in the Cups. So I think we need, yeah, maybe four. Um, possibly five, but again, it will depend who leaves um, or if anyone is going to leave. You know, there's some question marks, let's say, over mm-hmm. Nuno Tavares, for example. If he goes out on loan, we, we need a left back then, you know? So there are deals that we might have to do depending on um, depending on who goes if, if other people go. But, like, we need to add quality to this team. We don't necessarily need to add squad players. I think we need to add players who are capable of starting. And I think Gabriel Jesus is one. Tielemans is another who will come in. Very interesting links to someone like Rafinha, uh, who again would be um, in one way competing with Bakayo Saka for the right-hand side. And that's, uh, people might say, well, that doesn't really work. But I think the more starting quality players you have, the more the more able you're, uh, the more able you are to cope with the demands of a season. The drop-off isn't, too big you know we saw that a bit last season when i think we missed some key players and the players that we had to replace them the 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 gap was too big so more quality more than more than quantity but obviously we need to get the numbers as well so it's gone quite on pepe at the moment isn't it do we think he's going to stay no i i would be very surprised Mm. if he was staying because you know he doesn't play anymore he needs to go and play i think it's a really complicated situation because um, you know, he arrived for big money. He's probably on very big wages. It's it's going to be difficult for any club in Europe to put up the kind of money that Arsenal might want to to get for him to pay off some of that transfer fee because we still owe Lille some of that money um, and also take on those wages. So it might be one that drags out, but I don't expect him to be an Arsenal player next season. No. And Carl's following up with another question, well, a statement. Departures are as important as purchases this window. Need to maximise the cash we can get for players in this. You know, the thing is, and I agree with that, the thing is, this is his window now. This is it for me. Okay, Andrew? I have supported him since day one. I fight his corner every single week. Um, Does he make mistakes? Of course he does. Every manager does. He's He's not a robot. He's not perfect. Is he learning on the job? Yes, and sometimes, unfortunately, for us. Um, but I've said, and I've said it 18 months ago, we've got to give him a chance. He came in during COVID and everything, you know, was mm. topsy-turvy in life, let alone in football. And someone said to me last year, how long are you going to give him? How long? You know, well, I said, I want to see improvement this year. Well, we are. We're back in Europe. Should we have got fourth? I think we would have overachieved to get it. It was there and we could have had it. But as you say... The players that came in were not as good as the players that unfortunately Mm. were on the sidelines injured. And I've said all along, this summer transfer window is where it all counts because I will give him till next season. But if we go again and we're fifth and sixth, we need to see a little bit more improvement and we need to see 
you know, January was a big thing, and a lot of people still go on about this. The fact that Aubameyang left, but he wasn't doing anything for the team anyway, um, and his discipline was awful. Obviously, clashed with Arteta, and that was it. Um, but we didn't replace, did we? And you had Lacazette, who I adore, but didn't put the ball in the back of the net, and hence our scoring problems. For me, striker is number one. So, Jesus, massive talk, city boy, worked with Arteta. Mm. What's your take on that? I think he'd be a good player for us. I think he, you know, he's 25. He's hugely experienced. He scores lots of goals. Um, he's versatile as well in that he can play centrally and he can play wide, um, which might just leave the door open for the the tall striker, maybe that Clive was referring to. I think it'd be a great deal for us. Um, when you look at the prices that are being quoted for for strikers this summer, it's absolutely um, off the charts, the money that you got to spend to get a good striker. Um, so it makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Because he does have that connection. He does have that connection with Arteta. He knows that he can come to Arsenal and be in some ways the main man, you know? Uh, so I'm hopeful that that one will, will go through. I think it'd be a smart purchase. He's a good player. He'd add a lot of intensity to our forward play as well. He's very, very good um, in the channels. He presses very well. I think that's part of what we're going to try and do next season also is be more of a, a pressing team. <clears throat> and I think he gives us that too. So I, I'm, I'm keeping fingers crossed that that one happens. And one other thing he gives us, Champions League experience, Premier League winner, yeah. big club, whether they bought the title or not, where anyone thinks that, you know, they're a big club in the world now and he won't be scared and he will be able to lead that team. And I, I'm with you on this. When when the, the rumours started, as I said, and everyone knows I don't do rumours, but I, I could see this and I literally, within seconds, messaged all my match-going City mates and said, they did, they love him, and they said they would sad to see him go. He doesn't score enough. And I went, oh, my God, I don't want him. If he doesn't score enough, I don't want him. I said, because we need someone to put the ball in the back of the net. And they said, no, I think he'd be brilliant for you lot. Mm. Um, he's rated up there. So let's hope. Let's hope. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Tielemann seems like he's it's quite positive that he's coming as well. Um it's interesting. Let's just, uh, there was something about Serie A. Hi, Christian. Welcome to the show. Do you think that Serie A teams, a, Serie A teams will be heavily impacted by the FA scrapping loan extensions? I didn't know there were scrapping loan extensions, but anyway. I'm what exactly does that mean? I don't quite know what that means. No. Will they be impacted? I suppose once they're on loan, they have to come back. They can't be extended. I don't know. I'm sorry. I thought you might know. Um, no. Right. Robert's got a statement. I'm not sure about top four. I think our best chance is Europe, Europa League. I just have that feeling. I thought that. It was interesting because I had um, Stuart McFarlane, Arsenal's photographer, on. Mm. And great and great news, people. He's coming back. He's true to his word. He said, I'll come back at the end of the, you know, in the close season. And he's coming back. He'll be on my next show. Um, and you can't have any more, <laughs> someone more closer to Arteta and the players than Stuart. Yeah, yeah. He even said, "We." He came on just before the in, uh, during the injury to party and Tierney. He said, "I think we won't." I'm sure he said, and I know I'll be quoted because he is on the YouTube. He, he thinks that we won't hit top four. We'll just miss it. That was when he's a couple of months back, um, and I and I agree. At the time, I was like that, but then we were so close, and obviously we yeah. didn't. But we need top players, don't we? Enough already with the squad players. We can't do it this season. We can't do it. Right. Um, okay, so that's interesting. Uh, Robert Seagal, well, welcome again to the show. My business partners are City season ticket holders. They said they prefer to keep Jesus than Sterling. Yeah, well, I mean, he's you know he's got a year left on his contract, um, Gabriel Jesus, so... Uh, I, I think City are probably in a position where, you know, they're going to sell. They brought in Haaland. He'll know that his playing time there is a little bit um, going to be impacted by that 
obviously, you know, when, when you bring in a guy like that, he is going to be the main man at Man City. So, uh, you know, I'm sure he would have preferred to come to an Arsenal side that was going to be in the Champions League next season. And we would have all preferred to, to, um, to be that club for him as well. And for all of us too, but it is what it is. And I'm hopeful, you know, that the, the groundwork that we hear about all these months of discussions behind the scenes with the player will mean that, you know, he, he chooses Arsenal. He's convinced by not just what we can give him now, but what kind of club and what kind of team he can be part of, because I think that is an important aspect of it is, you know, when you are, you are talking, as you said, about a, a, a guy with loads of Champions League experience. You are talking about a guy with loads of Premier League medals to his name, regardless of the fact that they're City and we know that there's a special circumstance. Those are things that you want to have more of when you're a footballer. When you've come to England, you've won trophies and medals. You don't just want to sit on those. You want more. And hopefully that is part of of what he sees for himself at Arsenal and, and Mikel Arteta and Edu, Edu have been able to convince him of, um, you know, before this thing goes down, fingers crossed. I know. People are losing their absolute, I uh, can't say the word shite, <laughs> because we haven't had any big signings. I, I do. It does make me laugh. I normally st- not stay away from Twitter, but I don't get involved in this during July time. Um, right, so he's explained it. So it means after a year loan, they can't make another extension. A clause will have to be made with an obligation to buy or an option to buy. Hence, this would be a problem for Italian clubs. Didn't okay. we, have, we just had the obligation with the, the Lucas Torreira thing where, where there was an option to buy um, and they, they went back on that option. Well, they didn't go back on the option. They, they offered us a much lower price for Lucas Torreira and, and that deal has fallen through. Yeah. So um, we'll see. I don't know if we're going to be loaning any players to Italy anyway uh, this summer. Um maybe Torreira, but I think, again, he's he's a guy with a year left on his deal, and I think they'll be looking to sell him. Yeah. As Phil said, it's not silly season, it's Muppet season. I do love that. Oh, my God, Andrew. One hour. Where the hell has it gone? Are you okay for a few more minutes if I can get a couple of questions? Or do yeah, you have- five more minutes if that's five okay. Five more minutes. That's fantastic. Yeah. Anyone got any major questions before we say goodbye to Andrew? Um so sorry I didn't get your questions up at the beginning, but it was such a it's so great. I wanted to do I wanted to know all about how Andrew started and it's just been incredible. If not, I can let you go now. Um it's gonna be interesting. I'm gonna ask you my one last questions. What sure. are your aspirations for next season? I I would really I know people don't want to be in the Europa League. Um but I'd really like us to win it. Uh, And I know that like everyone has got their sights set on top four. And I really want us to continue to make progress in the premier league as well. But I, I feel like we're overdue a European trophy as a football club. We don't have enough European trophies to our name for a club like Arsenal. It's, it's, it's a little bare that particular cupboard. So I would, really like us to to go all the way and and win that competition because you know people will say oh it's only the Europa League but I guarantee you if we're in the Europa League final this time or you know next year every single Arsenal fan is going to be dying for us to win that game and that's the reality of it and we win a European trophy and we get back into the Champions League but of course we'd already been there be in there because we'll be finishing in the top 4 as well. So those are my aspirations. Whether we can get there I'm not quite sure, but I you know at the end of it winning trophies is is just the best thing about you know football and even if it's not necessarily the trophy everyone wants it's still really enjoyable when it happens. Absolutely. Um I'm going to ask one last question. Carl sure. Stark wants to know Andrew's favourite ever player, and on that, I'll get you out. Ooh. I mean, my my first hero was Liam Brady, obviously, but, like, I was a kid, and I never really saw Liam Brady play for Arsenal apart from some cup finals, one of which was very famous, and the other one was very disappointing. Um, actually, two in 1980 were very disappointing, two cup finals. Um, I am going to say Robert Perez, 
Uh, I just loved Robert Perez, loved the swagger, loved the 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 technique, loved the goals, loved the the French, you know, the all of that. I just loved watching him play, you know. So look, we've had some we've been very, very lucky to have some amazing players at Arsenal down the years, you know, and I could I could go through a list and and talk to you about Dennis Bergkamp. Steve Bold was one of my favorite players as well. I was always a central defender when I played football back uh, in my youth. So I really loved Steve Bold. I mean, Tony Adams, an amazing captain, but I just like Steve Bold because he was kind of like the silent assassin alongside the big, loud Tony Adams. You know, Tony would be loud and Steve Bold would just cream somebody. Um, so I love him. Cesc Fabregas, um, amazing players. But I'm going to say Robert Perez and, and that, that, can be our, that can be our good night. It is a good night. I've got other questions, but I'm not asking you now. Hopefully, if you've enjoyed it, maybe you'd like to come back one day. Sure, no problem. No oh, problem. Love, love you. Great. And and as a present, you're going to follow me on Twitter. I mean, sure. What Why more not? can a girl want? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, Andrew, you've been amazing. Thank you so much. Guys in the chat room, you've been great. Your questions have been fantastic. I can see all the lovely comments in saying Thank you, great guys. show. Andrew saying thank you to you all as well. Please subscribe to the same old Arsenal channel. I'm going to do a few summer season and I'm hoping that we'll do a transfer show and I'll have a standing host because I'm just not interested. I do apologise. Um, please hit the like button. Please subscribe. Thank you, Andrew. Absolutely loved it. Guys, keep well. Apparently Friday in London is going to hit 34 degrees. So I hope you've all got some air con. Um, be safe. Andrew, what a star you've been. Thank you so much. Everyone, good night. Always Arsenal. Always Arsenal. Sports Social Podcast Network.